and the biggest thing I could say is learn the language and learn it well. Uh, in a limited access country, you're going to have to figure out what the visa requirements are, and it's not always going to be posted on a website in English. You're not always going to be able to figure it out from outside the country. But once you get there, you learn the language, you figure out what people want, what people expect, and you work with that. And then also knowing the language in a limited access country is going to be able to help you to understand, I don't want to say threats, but where people are um, where people are having trouble with you, where you might not be able to pick up on it if you don't understand the language or you don't understand the culture in some way. And you can address some of those things before they get to be a problem. Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Brother Rob Rabideau, a veteran missionary in Nepal for nine years, and he's back home in the States now and is talking to us about working in closed countries. And uh, just a little bit about your background, Brother Rob. You grew up at Northwest Bible Baptist Church through your junior high and high school years and then went to Providence Baptist College and then graduated in 2004 with a missions yes, program? Yes, missions degree. Okay, so that was always something that you were working toward mm -hmm. uh, had felt led into missions. And after that, you even went to aviation training school. So then after that, uh, you started deputation and you were led to the country of Nepal mm -hmm. uh, as a missionary. And Nepal is a closed country um, and you served nine there, years there. And I wanna ask, start with this question. What is a closed country? What do we even mean by that term? Well, there are a number of ways that a country, country can be closed. One term that is used more commonly now is limited access. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of different countries that have different levels of access. Um, but basically, a closed country is a country where the government does not welcome missionaries. So as when you get a visa or permission to be in country, you can be there, just not as a missionary. Exactly. You can be any other reason. You could be there as a business entrepreneur. You can mm -hmm. be there as a you know, tourist or whatever yes. it might be. But whatever enables you to be in the country long term, that's what you're there for. In fact, over the years, we were in the country on a number of different types of visas. Okay. We came in initially on a tourist visa. That's the easiest to get into most countries. But of course, a tourist visa only allows you to be in the country for a short amount of time, mm -hmm. for tourism purposes. Normally, people are not going and living as a tourist in a country for multiple years. Sure. So they have limits on that. Um, beyond that, they're also normally pretty expensive. It depends on the country. But from there, we went to a student visa, which where we were was the next easiest to get into. Plus, the missionaries that were in country, that was something that they had already dealt with. They knew how to get us through the system in that and, and work through that. And later on, the Lord opened up the door for something else. We ended up on a journalism visa, and that's just an interesting story how that even worked out. And that was for multiple years. And then a different type of research visa that had us there for five years. And you kind of bounce around and... We could give advice specific to Nepal here, but even that changes year by year. The requirements for the visas, what they're actually open to, mm -hmm. in some cases in different countries, how many of those visas they're willing to issue. But there are a number of different types of visas that are out there. And as a missionary, when you look at the country that you're going to, you're going to have to find out basically what will they let you do. Sure. You really just have to look at it that way. And for us, um, we started with what the missionaries there were doing. That was the starting point for us. I want to take a step backward now um, and just talk about, you know, one thing a lot of young people struggle with is what's God's will for my life, yeah. you know? 
as God leading to missions. And then if they feel convinced about that, then there's the next question of, okay, then where? This is a very subjective thing. Uh, do I just spin a globe, point, and hopefully I don't land in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a boat? Uh, hope there's an island there. Yeah, hope there's an island, yeah. Uh, so how did God lead you to Nepal specifically? Well, it was in a Wednesday evening service. It's amazing how Wednesday evening services have been the times when the Lord spoke to my heart. I was saved in a Wednesday evening service, called to preach, called to the mission field in Wednesday evening service. But uh, one of the missionaries out of our church here, mm-hmm. um, Brother uh, Louis Ramos, was preaching a service. He had come back and was presenting the work and what was going on there in Mexico. And as he was preaching, the Lord called me to the mission field. And from there, I started to search, where do you want me to go? Because I didn't have a at least I didn't believe that the Lord was calling me to Mexico necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so I started searching. And uh, as I got older and closer to the time when I was heading over, it got to be more of an intense search. But I like to say that it was like the story of Nehemiah. And if you look at the beginning of the sto- book of Nehemiah, the Bible says that uh, he inquired about the need in his homeland. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, the Lord burdened his heart and gave him that burden to go back and do the work that, of course, we know him as doing in that book. And I just started searching out the needs that are there around the world. And obviously, there are, there are countries around the world. I mean, all of them are needy. Yes. Here in the U.S. as well. But I, I started looking at different places. And as I looked through these different countries, um, I just prayed about each one. Lord, what about this place? What about this? Mm-hmm. And when I came to Nepal, it was something that had come to me just because of some uh, interest and something I had been studying recently. And when I came to that and I read some of the statistics and saw some of the needs in that place, the Lord gave me a very specific burden for it. So let's go back into you know operating in a limited access country. You talked about some of the different visas that you had. Um, let's talk about you know how you had to fulfill those visas, but at the same time, you your main objective obviously is trying to start a church or you know, witness and pass out tracts. Uh, how does a missionary manage his time trying to fulfill his reason for being there on paper as a student or whatever it might be, and then also for his main goal? And that's a, that's a, that's a struggle for any missionary. Yeah. It really is. Whether you're in a limited access country or not. Now, limited access countries, depending on the visa that you're in, you're going to have to do more work to be able to stay there. And it it is a tougher um, time constraint as far as your schedule there. But every missionary has to figure out um, how to survive in the new place that they're at. Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed at what we get used to and how we, what it means and how much time it saves you to know how to live in the place that you live. Just living here in the U.S., you know how to go to the store and get things done, how to go and pay your bills and how to, you know, all these different things that you grow up and you see your parents do and you know how to do it. You go to a foreign country, and it's all different. Mm. Where do I go and pay my electric bill? I've never been to that place. And you have to go and stand in line there, and it's only open on Tuesday afternoons between 4 and 7. Or You, you don't know. Yeah. You just never know. And how do I even find out how much I owe? And it's just every little thing. And then my wife has to wash the vegetables and you know, clean them all before you eat them. And you have to you know, do different things. We pump the water up to the roof every day. And you just all different things that are a part of your schedule that you don't plan on. And when you're on the mission field, you have to be careful that just the general subsistence work, the work that you do to survive, doesn't take over the real reason that you're there. Mm-hmm. And that, that is in every area, not just in 
fulfilling your visas. Because yes, as a student, how many hours a day am I going to have to spend in class and outside of class going to, you know, fulfilling the requirements for this visa? And how is that going to affect the ministry? Same thing with the journalism visa. How much writing is required or how many projects do I have to do in a year or whatever the case is for a research visa, they have different requirements as well. But in whatever you're doing, the main thing is that you keep the focus on the goal on the mission field. And that is, of course, reaching the lost, planting the church, you know, doing the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. What were you able to accomplish there in Nepal um, as far as doing missions work, establishing a church, and what kind of pushback did you get from locals? Um, were, I, did they know that you were there you know, uh, with a you know, research visa and yeah. they knew, man, he could, we could kick him out of the country? Uh, did you have to be careful in some ways? Yes, you do. And, and of course, you have to understand there are various levels of limited access countries. You know, when you come to a country like Nepal versus a country like China, um, there are certain things that you can get away with in certain countries that you can't get away with in others because of the surveillance state that's there and the bureaucracy that's there to process and, and uh, go after people in certain cases. But I found that in the place that we were at, and I say that to say I'm talking about where we were at, mm -hmm. uh, in Nepal, we found that the best defense was a good offense, and that is you open up with, we're here as missionaries. We're here to share the gospel. We're here to work with people. And that was what worked best for us. When we came okay. to the village where we started and planted the church that is still there and running today with a pastor, a local pastor, when we came there to do that, uh, we told them, we're starting an English class for your young people with the intention of turning it into a Bible study to start a church here in your village. Hmm. And so they looked at it. No, it wasn't yeah. underhanded. I mean, you don't want to sneak up on someone with the no, gospel. No. You really don't. And if you, if you hide it, at what point are you finally going to uncover it? It's true. H how yeah. can you be a missionary and truly be undercover? Mm -hmm. I found in the same way, and please jump in if I'm, if I'm going over into something that you... No, that's fine. But it, even in just sharing the gospel one-on-one, -on -one, whether it be talking, what we're talking about in some cases, you know, telling people what you're doing. But when you share the gospel... I always started with objections. You know, you know, you start out with the things that they have heard about Christians. In many cases, there was propaganda that was put out by Hindus, things that are in the newspapers, etc. And you start out, you may have heard that the Christians are here bribing people to become believers. Well, you know, a person that becomes a Christian because of money or chasing after this or the other is not a person who's truly following Christ, but they're following this. Because, and you take it right into it. You start with the objections. Hmm. And I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody, but it worked for us. The problems that they'd encountered, you just confront them head on and you address it. What were some um, you know, cultural specific uh, strategies that you would use to meet people, bring up the gospel? You talked about you know, bringing up objections first uh, in a it was primarily Hindu culture like mm -hmm. that. Uh, what were some ways that you could get a gospel conversation started with those people? Honestly, anytime you meet someone for the first time, just talking to them. It's not all that different than it is here. Sure. I found that I had the best success on taxi rides. And, yeah. you know, a taxi ride in Nepal would cost two or three bucks. You'd go, you know, 10, 15 minutes maybe somewhere, and you got a captive audience. And you might say you paid them to sit there, but I mean, you're sitting there and you talk with them, and you can almost every time get into a gospel presentation on a taxi ride. Yeah. Uh, other than that, it was very easy sometimes to go to family of 
someone that you already know that's a believer. Mm -hmm. Or if somebody already expresses an interest to you, have them bring someone else with them when you share the gospel. There are just a number of different little ways that we found to talk to different people. Mm -hmm. uh, with the children's ministry, you talked about we're starting an English class for children mm -hmm. and with the purpose of making it into a Bible study, with make, the, the purpose of making it into a church. Um, that was your goal at the outset. Did it happen just like that? Of course, no plan comes exactly like yeah. that, but yes, it really did. Really? We started okay. with the young people and we started having services, invited the men of the church out, or men of the village out at that point, and of course, a lot of people came just out of curiosity sure. to see what's happening. But again, everything public, everything open, and that's how, that's how it eventually went. We ended up uh, at the earthquakes of 2015. If you remember those big earthquakes back mm -hmm. then, um, there was an organization that reached out to us and wanted to help with a children's feeding ministry. And we had no idea how that would work out or how that would be used at that point. And we started trying to, to feed people at that point. And when we did, the Lord developed that ministry over time into something that has been a real blessing. Right now it's called Biswas Kobato, you know, Way of Faith Ministry. And it's actually turned more into a school or education um, program. And we have it very organized where as young people come for help with their homework, learn English, these different aspects of it, they sign up for a 10-week uh, term. Mm -hmm. And every 10 weeks, they have to have our staff come into their homes and talk with their family about the Lord. And they'll come in and talk to them about, you know, how they're doing in school, these other things, but they also get to share the gospel in their home. And it's, it's exciting. And of course, I say all that to say, it didn't start out that way. We started out with just something simple. How are we going to do this? You know, we're just going to help people that are hungry and, and feed them there at the church. Sure. But it developed into something that was more structured in sharing the gospel later as well. So every 10 weeks, the kid gets a progress report Exactly. A personal visit yeah. that is also a gospel presentation. Mm -hmm. That's pretty neat. Um, what other interesting things have you been able to do over there? Um, just by knowing you personally, I know that uh, you, you were big into mountain biking uh, when you were there. Was that a hobby or was that more of a uh, fulfilling visa requirements? What, what was that all about? No, I actually never mountain biked before I went to Nepal. Yeah. And uh, it was something I picked up over there. They have people walk everywhere. Yeah. So there are tons of little walking trails that are just great for mountain biking. And so I picked that up over there. And it was through mountain biking that I found the village that the Lord laid on our heart to plant the church in. No way, But yes, really? it, it was a hobby just that the Lord used in our time over there, something that I enjoy doing. That's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Uh, any other specific tips or helps that you can give to someone who's thinking about a mission field that is limited access and they're going in you know, completely blind, never experienced it before, but as someone who's been there for nine years, what are some other hints and helps you can suggest? Man, uh, the biggest thing I could say is learn the language and learn it well. Mm -hmm. uh, in a limited access country, you're going to have to figure out what the visa requirements are, and it's not always going to be posted on a website in English. You're not always going to be able to figure it out from outside the country. But once you get there, you learn the language, you figure out what people want, what people expect, and you work with that. And then also knowing the language in a limited access country is going to be able to help you to understand, I don't want to say threats, but where people are, um, where people are having trouble with you, where you might not be able to pick up on it if you don't understand the language or you don't understand the culture in some way. And you can address some of those things before they get to be a problem. There are some problems you just can't head off. Yeah. But uh, if you speak the language, it's a whole lot easier to see 
some of those problems and take care of them. Yeah, because some people might be hinting around at an issue, mm -hmm. and if you're not, you know, you know, aware of right. what they're trying to actually say, yeah. you know, the little idioms and things like that that they use in their language that, you know, if you just learn from a textbook, you wouldn't actually really know. Mm -hmm. But the stuff. truth of the matter is, every church has threats, and, and behind behind all of it is Satan. Mm -hmm. It's not people. And I mentioned just, I think, in the message recently, and when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Mm -hmm. And that was a verse that I claimed. You know, if I'm right with the Lord and doing what he wants, he'll work out the details. I mean, sure, you want to be prudent. You want to foresee, you know, whatever you can. You want to try and make sure that you, you work out, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, do what the Lord wants, and he'll work out the details. He will. All right. Well, we think obviously we could talk for a long time on so many, many different missions, uh, you know, topics, different facets of missions work. Uh, but we'll have to cut it off here, and we'll have to do this again in the future. And we appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks, Dave. I yes, appreciate sir. it. Yep. And so, if you want to check out our other uh, topics, check out our YouTube channel and also the audio-only platforms. And we would appreciate it if you could like, comment, or subscribe. Uh, and uh, we would uh, appreciate you watching future videos as well. We'll see you.